Hello everybody, we are Vini and Maria. And this is the Intercultural Conversations podcast. This is the podcast where you are going to strengthen your intercultural skills. Let's, Let's start. start. So hello everybody, we are here uh, again. Uh, of course, Maria is with me. Hello everybody. Yeah, there she is. <laughs> and today uh, we have a very, very interesting uh, person with us. Uh, she's a stress management coach. And she's been oh, around the world, did a, a, a lot of, of very interesting things. But because she's, she's a, 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 a friend of Maria, I'll let Maria in, introduce her but much better than I can do. <laughs> <laughs> hello, everybody, as mentioned. Hello, Vini. And hello and welcome to Raquel Sosa. We have her today in our podcast. So hello, Raquel. Hello, I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> yeah, and we are so happy to have you in our podcast, in our show. Uh, well, uh, because today we are also recording uh, live uh, to Facebook directly. So um, we will probably integrate our viewers in this podcast today. And um, we are very uh, proud to have you as well here in our uh, podcast. Then uh, we know you are very busy. You have uh, many things to do. And this is a gift what you're giving us today day and for this we are very very happy and grateful yep. <laughs> it's my <And> pleasure <laughs> thank you so let me introduce you a little bit Raquel I want uh, our listeners everything about you because this is exactly what we want to hear about you but um, it is important that you know that Raquel um, comes from Venezuela and uh, she uh, lived uh, already in different countries as for example of course Venezuela the United States France and now in Germany and maybe I missed anything um, we will find it out and um, she has been um, working a lot with different types of persons around the world She uh, has a journalist background. As a journalist, she worked uh, for a radio and television company in France. And um, since then, she has been exposed to very stressful situations. And this was one of the main reasons why she uh, dedicated to this stressful management, um, stress management uh, techniques that she would share with us later on and uh yeah after all of this uh, she uh landed somehow we will find it out in berlin <coughs> and uh she lives now there and she has a daughter she her mom uh lives with her as well and um she is a very unprofessional coach and this is my own uh, my own um idea of uh, how I appreciate uh, Raquel's work and um, I can only invite you to share this moment with her and uh, to ask as much as you can uh, to have a little bit more of an idea uh, what is behind on Raquel's life. So welcome Raquel, we are very proud to have you here and um, we would like you to introduce yourself um, better than I do probably <laughs> and um, We want to know a little bit about your life and um, how it all started in Venezuela. 
Yes, uh, thank you. I'm very happy to be here. So yes, uh, it's all quite accurate what you just said. <laughs> thank you for the introduction. Okay. <laughs> uh, it summarized quite well. Um, and yeah, well, I'm from Venezuela and my life in Venezuela, my work started actually uh, being cultivated or nourished in Venezuela at the age of around 18 years old. I was studying, I was about to start studying journalism and in Caracas, where I'm from, and a group of monks um, from India came to Venezuela. And that's how I started um, meditation. I was always very inclined to know about meditation. Caracas is a very stressful city, <laughs> somehow, mm -hmm. and people are very extroverted, and I happen to be a very introverted person. Um, and I remember just locking myself in my room and trying to breathe and cut myself from the noise when I was 14, 15 already, years old. So it was something that I intuitively started doing. And when I was, I remember I was about to, to live on a long trip to meet, uh, I loved the books of Carlos Castaneda. It was a, uh, an anthropologist that wrote a series of books that are major uh, for, for this inner work we all are doing. And I remember planning my trip there at the 18 years old. And then I met these monks and I said, they're here. Let me start here with what I have. And so it was a fantastic experience. Five, year, five years and a half of intense training after university, my classes at 12 o'clock, I would leave my classes and go there to meet them. And I got trained in all the techniques, not all of they know what they know, but at least what they can teach to everybody. And especially breathing and especially meditation. It's a yoga tantric lineage, uh, like the heart of tantra that is not only sexual activities, because people, when I say tantra, always think is sexual. <clears throat> and so this is uh, the heart of yoga. It's in tantra, and it's a very ancient tradition. And um, I actually started there, uh, meditating, learning with them, intensively passionate about this. And at the same time, studying journalism. So I was doing both. And as soon as I finished, I left to, to do a master's degree in communication in Paris, mm -hmm. in La Sorbonne. And I did it. And in parallel, while doing that, I started working for Radio France International. It's an international radio. In, it's based in Paris. And I worked there for around 10 years. Very intense work. I, I covered all sorts of... Um, situations and, and subjects from uh, Gaza Street and, you know, uh, dangerous situations or um, a lot of sexual abuse with children and um, networks that, you know, traffic humans. And I did a lot of that. And I also cover a lot of elections. It was a very stressful work at many levels, fascinating work though. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but it did um, put me in a stressful um, circle, a vicious circle, let's say. And um, so at one point, I, I felt in Paris that I, I was done with that life. And I felt um, I really wanted to explore uh, more 
all the stress management and breathing world and techniques. And I said, okay, let me take a sabbatical year and go to a place where there are some interesting things happening. And I went to Los Angeles then. Mm -hmm. And in Los Angeles, I got involved with the group of Carlos Castaneda that I first had read his books. <laughs> yeah, and they, that was their main place where they, they function. And, um, and I also did uh, their studies on documentary filmmaking for TV. And always in parallel, I was in two worlds, you know. And the, th the real thing that changed my life was when I got pregnant with my daughter, Lucia. Uh, I, there in, in, in Los Angeles, I got married and, um, yeah, and, and I met my partner in Paris and then we got married in, in Los Angeles. And I got pregnant and uh, like the second and a half, third month of pregnancy, one morning I woke up and I had a big pain and it was, I thought I was losing the baby. It was very scary. And I went to the hospital very early um, at four o'clock in the morning. And the doctor checked me and said that I had a fibroid, seven centimeters diameter. Fibroid is like a, a, it's like a ball of flesh or something that it, it was in the entrance of the uterus. And he said, this will grow during the pregnancy. So you will have a very painful pregnancy and you will be laying down the whole pregnancy because of the pain. And he explained that there was no way to revert this, that this was it. And I remember asking him when going out of, of the room, of the treating room, what is the possibility that I reverse this diagnosis? And he says, the same possibility that instead of having a baby, you have a pig. And I was like, this is horrible. Oh my God. Yes. So it was really frightening. And he said, the baby will be at risk because if the fibroid grows the size of the baby, there won't be enough space. It was a very tricky situation. And I got mm -hmm. home really devastated, uh, crying and, you know, very sad that I knew all these techniques and I, my life was so healthy and all. And anyway, this was happening, you know, it was quite devastating. And then... I had my friend, Erin Alexander and Miles Ritz at the time, they live in LA. And um, they told me, especially Miles, we had this long conversation. He's acupuncturist and doctor. And he, we had this long conversation that really changed my life. Because um, he said, well, Raquel, yeah, that's one option. That the doctor, it's right. And that the doctor, what he said is one option. You can be in bed and you can become a victim of this fibroid and you will have all your friends coming home cheering you up and you will be this victim that everybody will try to cuddle and to treat you know the best way they can and your daughter will be another victim and that's an option and yeah but there is the other option that you take care of the situation that you do you do breathing techniques and visualizations meditations stress management techniques to change the chemistry of your body that is producing this, the growth of the fibroid. And if you do that, at least explore it. There is a way maybe, you know, that this is reversed. You don't have anything to lose and a lot to gain by doing so. So I started that the same day, uh, taking care of it and doing breathing techniques, doing visualization techniques, 
and uh, talking a lot um, to the fibrate and asking the fibrate. It was like very important for me, that part of the process of what, what information was it bringing in a way. Mm-hmm. And I did all these techniques and after 15 days, I didn't have any more pain. Mm-hmm. And so I started hiking and doing normal things and the doctor checked me and he said, I don't understand. The fibroid is not growing. And like that, every month that I went, he was every 15 days, he was surprised. Nothing had grown. Mm-hmm. And I had a wonderful pregnancy at the end wow. and, and really dancing, salsa, hiking, swimming, like everything you can imagine. <laughs> and Crazy. at the end, I had a beautiful natural birth even. So after these, I I said to myself, wow, this, this work is really powerful. And this um, potential we have as humans to transform our chemistry by thinking and by breathing, it's quite amazing. And I was very surprised that people were not that this wasn't more known or more worked on. So mm-hmm. I, st- I decided at that moment, I wanted to shift my life and not go back to the radio mm-hmm. and really get into this work and help other women and other people, but especially women I work more with, um, to really acknowledge that potential in them and understand that mm, you can really shift any physical illness or ailment or any mental um, mindset or illness that you're really um, being a victim of or stuck in and with. Mm-hmm. And you can really shift it and make um, the life you want, really. So mm-hmm. this is what I have been doing as, as work. And as it's not a work. I, I don't feel as a job. I feel it's my life purpose mm-hmm. and when you you do what you love it doesn't feel like you're working you know yeah and so today that's what i do i i, I work in private sessions in group sessions and yeah and in different languages <laughs> and yeah. yeah so yeah yeah wow so <laughs> take a big breath <laughs> no yes that's after that to take that in <laughs> That's what I'm doing right now, you know, taking everything. Yeah, we need starting to breathe. <laughs> yeah. okay. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. okay, so honest, this, yeah. To be honest, the best part for me was the salsa dancing while all that was happening. I bet there was 90% of, of the, the, the solution. Of for that the was there, yeah, right? The yeah, <laughs> yeah. And yes. actually, Raquel loves to dance, uh, yes. right? Like, this is something you really like to do um, frequently. Yes. Let yes. me ask you something about that time. Um, this is uh, now that we look back, of course, uh, a very nice story. But during the, that, that time, I can imagine that it wasn't so easy as we now talking about this. And um, what was it, uh, the, the source of your strength? Uh, what uh, would you say has been uh, definitely super important to achieve that goal? Yes, that's a very important question, actually. I think um, when I was <clears throat> in that moment that I had to choose, uh, well, the first thing that um, pushed me to choose what I chose was that it was the only possibility I had in that moment I felt, and I had my daughter at risk. So the fact that I had 
something so important at risk didn't allow me to mess around, let's say. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it yeah. really put me against the wall. And I think that was very important. And I think in, in all the coaching work we do, usually when someone is quite desperate and in a crisis, it's a great point to be in because that's the moment where you can't bear it anymore for any reason that you are experiencing something. And the only option is just to move forward. It's to, to, you know, to shift. Mm -hmm. And that energy that brings desperation and, and sadness and frustration, um, you, there is a way of um, catalyzing it and using it for that shift And, um, and it's like a step-by-step -step process almost, like starting by acknowledging and crying and being sad about it is very important. It's like, like a grief that you do um, of what's going on and what's happening. And it's very important to go through that, that moment um, because what we tend to do is to want to solve things outside immediately, like say, okay, I will take hormonal supplements or I will take, you know, like whatever shifts me inside. Mm -hmm. But the fact that you're always putting your energy outside when you do that by putting your attention outside, because wherever we put our attention, that's where all our energy will go. And so the, the main point is to come back to yourself is come back to your pain mm -hmm. and to your sadness and to whatever has been uncomfortable to feel, feel. And many images will come and you will feel devastated and you will judge yourself. My body is wrong. My, you know, like I couldn't make a baby properly or whatever comes to you because there are many judgments we have about mm -hmm. being good enough for things about, you know, constantly. Mm -hmm. And so bringing your attention back to you through this acknowledgement, it's key. And then after that, you apply these techniques that expand your present moment, expand this, create a space in you to feel that clarity. The main thing you need to overcome a, a situation is energy. When you don't have energy, you can't have clarity of action. Yeah. What is it that you want to do? Like if I didn't have the energy, my friend Miles would have said anything Mm -hmm. And I would have just said, yeah, right, yeah, whatever, you know, and go home yeah. and keep crying and saying, no, the doctor said it. And, you know, all my mindset of that has built up in, with social, socialization, where I think doctors have the power, they know more about my body because they studied it, because, you know, all this that we think um, would have taken over. And, mm -hmm. but having the energy makes you understand, okay, I have an option, different it. And, and in that moment, you create more energy with some breathing, some certain techniques that allow you to expand your energy. And then you say, oh, and I can act on this too. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think this, um, these things are very important. This is like a three-step way, let's say. And acknowledging the pain is fundamental then um, gathering energy and then with that clarity that energy brings, you act on it. Mm -hmm. And you have to keep uh, really gathering the energy all the way. Like every exercises I did, every exercise I did during that period 
was exercises that helped me to believe, helped me to trust the process mainly because I feel the, the hardest part is that is, is to really believe we can do something, you know? Like yeah. when we are in trouble or we are in a crisis, the worst part of the crisis is that you feel you don't have any, you have to take decisions, you don't know what to do and you don't feel you're able you feel you will fail or you don't have the resources or financial resources, whatever it is, you feel it's, you won't be able to. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, it's very important. The energy factor. Once you, mm -hmm. people get surprised because when I, when I, sometimes I, I work with people and they really come close, like, no, nothing you say will help me. I know mm -hmm. this, I have worked with other people and this is a thing I have. And, and so, but when, as soon as I, I hear, I listen, but then we work with energy and we work uh, with the body and the chemistry of the body, changing the hormonal system. Mm -hmm. The hormonal system is in, in, it's locked in a behavior producing every day the same hormones that match the thoughts you have. And every day you will think something and that will create a hormonal reaction in your body, a chemistry. And at one point, your cells will demand that, those hormones, those, those, hormones. that chemistry. And even if you're not thinking it, your cells will ask for it, and then you will feel sad or you will feel, you know? And so shifting the chemistry of someone is the first thing. And, and breathing is like so effective for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. So. So we, we now want to start learning how to breathe correctly. <laughs> yeah, we can do that. This will lead us to our next podcast, probably. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, Vinny, what is your first impression after hearing all of that? Whew. I'm 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 feeling like I'm I'm a, a fish transitioning from water to land. You know, learning <laughs> how to how to breathe again. <laughs> yes. And do all this is. No, this needs a lot of work, but also a lot of mental uh, strength. Exactly, yeah. And honestly, um, for me, it's really, it's really interesting to hear this, uh, this story because, um, I don't know, sometimes we, we think we have it, we have, you know, we, we had some challenges in our lives, some things that were, that were complicated, but you get, you get to the conclusion that, you know, it's all about the perspective. It's all about from, mm -hmm. from each angle you look at your experiences. And I think the, the, the uh, this beautiful story that Raquel just, just said about her pregnancy and all that, it shows, shows us that, you know, that depending on the angle you, you, look, you look at, you get more energy or less energy, you know, and, and, and that solves a lot, a lot, a lot of problems. And this, by the way, is coming from a son from two doctors. And I, and I, and I believe that that makes a lot of, a lot of difference, you know. Um, so yeah, so it's uh, of course it's it's super interesting all these experiences and everything. But I'm also I'm also trying like I'm, I'm very interested to to understand like how how did your I know you had this experience uh, with um, there were monks right from in, in, in yeah Venezuela. you had this experience. So for me, of course, you got to a, a, a point in your life in your pregnancy that you kind of decided okay. Uh, now it's kind of a key, it's a turning point in my life. But obviously, uh, you wouldn't have got to this realization if you, if you, if you weren't like built up to that. 
since that moment in, in, in Venezuela. So for me, it's really interesting to understand because it's completely outside of my world <laughs> of this, like this encounter with the monks and this, this change in your life and your, in your mentality, you know? So I would, I would like to understand a bit better this period of your life, how, because it might have been incre an incredible experience, you know? So yes. how, how was this? Like, how did it come to be? How did you live that, that part of, of your life? Yes. Okay. Um, <laughs> yes. Um, this is, I, I was in Caracas at that time and I was in the university studying in the, in the Universidad Central de Venezuela. <laughs> and uh, I was studying journalism and I met someone there that one afternoon I was talking to him about Carlos Castaneda's books. And he said, no, I, I have something even better than that. I have, mm -hmm. um, he said it like that. It's not, it doesn't mean it is. I'm saying it's, mm -hmm. every That's path is, said, has yeah. his, his, his power and his yeah. heart. And so, uh, but he said it in this way. I have these monks that are um, from India and they're here now. Uh, and they could train you in silence because the, all the training I was doing alone, reading these books is about inner silence, about how to calm your mind. Mm -hmm. And um, so, and how basically how to calm the mind and how to stop describing the world in a precise way as we do all of us, mm -hmm. because we calm the mind. So when the mind is calm, we, we see the world more directly and, and with less judgments let's mm -hmm. say. So um, when he, he told me this and then he, I said, I want to go. You have to introduce me to them. So I went there and it was fascinating. They were monks mainly from India, but they were from other places in, in, in the world, uh, but mainly from India, the ones I met first. And I started a, a, an initiation and it was funny because they, will, they were building, they were installing themselves in a new house And so they needed a couch, they needed things. And I had a little car, uh, a Volkswagen Coccinelle, you know, these little beetles. And I would take them uh, everywhere to look for the couch, to look for this. And we would put a string on, on the top of the car yeah. <laughs> and, and, and all of these things. And I would help them with that. And when we were done, they would say, come we're going to teach you this, come. Mm -hmm. So it was very organic. I always say it was like a little bit like karate kid style, like where you just learn there interacting with someone. It wasn't like a yoga certification per hour per, you know, it was more of an organic learning. And every teaching came uh, progressively, not because they don't have like, okay, you practice this for one year and then we give you this, no depending on the questions you ask, you are ready for a teaching or not. So I could oh, ask, okay. please, I want this meditation. I want this, I want it. And they would say, no, no, no. And then one day I would say, I don't get it. This is happening to me when I'm doing my meditation. And then they would teach me the next, oh, you're ready now. And then, you know. Oh, okay. And, and totally it, and different. Yeah. yeah I, the, it, this organization continues working around the world. It's called Ananda Marga. It's an organization. And they have monks all over the world. And, and it's quite, uh, I love the work they do because um, we are in a new age world where there is a lot of going on at this level of, of um, self-development mixed with mysticism, mix, mixed with new age trends. Mm -hmm. 
And they, when you talk with any of these monks, they, you feel and you understand they come from a very old tradition. Mm-hmm. Um, and you understand mm-hmm. there is a depth in their teachings that has a dimension that is quite, it's, it's very, trans, it, it transforms anyone's life. And, it, and you understand the meaning of yoga, the meaning of union, of mm-hmm. the microcosmos with the macrocosmos, let's say. The microcosmos we are as humans with that macrocosmos that exists. And mm-hmm. so, um, yeah, so it was a, 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 a very rich experience, um, you know, a very rich human experience. And I was there for about six years with them, interacting and wow. learning and, and learning with a woman, none, because there were monks, but there were nuns. There are nuns too, tantric okay. nuns. Mm-hmm. They're not like mm-hmm. normal nuns. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> and yes, and it was it was fascinating to learn yoga, the asanas, the postures, to learn mm-hmm. meditation, breathing, all the process of the built up in yoga that I'm not going to go through here now because yeah. this is not the point of the conversation, but that is fascinating. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sure. How was it then? Uh, you were very trained uh, in this aspect and then you met the world of the radio and all of the situations you were exposed to. How was this shock? Was it a shock uh, for you? Well, it, it wasn't. I, I have always been a person that balanced a lot the daily life with people and the spiritual world. And I find it's the same thing, even if if we experience it in a different way. Um, Let me explain better. I come from this culture where there is salsa, there is, you know, uh, there Mm -hmm. is noise, there is talking loud, there is joking, there is happiness. And that, uh, so these monks adapt their teachings to that environment. And so people going to these sessions were people that were happy and were, you know, they were not in this mode of, okay, uh, you know, like more introverted and more of um, showing that you're spiritual in a way, mm-hmm. you know, it was very light, mm-hmm. even if it was very deep. <laughs> so uh, that made it very easy to do this uh, this create a bridge in between the two worlds Mm -hmm. and all the techniques they teach. And that's the power of this, of these teachings are techniques that really help you to be in everyday life. They don't take you out of the everyday life. They are, there are techniques to make you understand that we're all one and that we are all connected in a way. So there was, um, there was this, of course it's hard in the radio world, but because it's a very competitive world, and when you get there, the competition was quite uh, strong and um, it's not a, an open competition. You don't know you're, that you are competing, but you are. <laughs> yeah. And people can be really, I, I met great people there and very good friends till today, but I also met very mean people <laughs> and mm-hmm. people that uh, were a little bit disoriented in a way, I feel, mm-hmm. and that would push you down and would do things to, to get your, the news you were going to give and to go first and to, you know, you made a comment and they, you know, they mm-hmm. said it um, first and you, and you were like, that's what I was going to say and things Same. like that, you know? 
So meditation helped to get perspective. And all of this helped me immensely to gain perspective and to gain perspective in, in what is it that I need to do now? And always this question from this perspective, from, from this clarity I'm gaining. And I became an example. So I understood, okay, here in this environment, um, we need to get the rights respected in another way. This is not just mm -hmm. working me trying to do alone something. Let me get with a group that is fighting for precise things and making people have better lives. So I got in the unions and, you know, became a leader in the unions and helped a lot of people to have a better job contract contracts or to have. So I was very, I am a person that have been in, in real life a lot. And, and, mm -hmm. and I think my work comes from that perspective too, not from the perspective of let's isolate each other I mean, let's isolate ourselves in a, in a cave, you know? Mm -hmm. um, I think that part is very important. There are people doing that. I think it's important that there are people in caves meditating right now. It's yeah. amazing and it's fantastic. I do think my place is to be in the world and to be in the world being a vehicle or a bridge, you know? Yes. Intercultural. Yeah. Intercultural, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, um, yeah, amazing, lovely, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, so, so you you mentioned like this this uh, radio world and how competitive it is, you know. And, and I imagine it's a complete a different scenario than what you do now. For example, as 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 a coach, like like you said, right now you kind of try to to help people, you know, and to work with people. And of course, in the radio as well. But in terms of the the competition, it's a complete different mindset that you need to have. And yes. also, and also, you mentioned that you had to report on very tough situations, like the Gaza Strip, the terrorist attacks uh, in London and, and in New York. So it's a, it's tough, you know. It's a, it's a tough reality that that you have to to deal with. And I mean, I, I, I do understand that these experiences build you up to be a good coach today, because if you can cope with that mm -hmm. stress, you can help a lot yeah. of people to to cope with the the stress today. And, but like the, the time that you were going through this, uh, reporting through this stuff events, like, do you, do you feel you were like a complete different person or you already had like this, this coaching in, in you and you developed even more by going through these experiences? I had it. Mm -hmm. um, I had it in the sense that I, I remember many times teaching meditation to my colleagues Mm -hmm. or being in Gaza Strip and doing a breathing exercise in moments where it was very tough. Like I remember clearly one night we were waiting, we were in, 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 the, um, in Gaza Strip in, where, where the columns of Israeli columns were going to leave Gaza Strip, uh, definitely. Mm -hmm. And they had been there for years and we were going to cover them leaving. You yeah. know, that mm -hmm. was a very important moment. And we had to spend like three nights in the colonies there sleeping outside with nothing, you know, and really just waiting that in any moment the army would come and take these people out. And I remember there a lot of time passed and people were crying because they didn't want to leave. And it was a very stressful situation to interview people in such, under such a stress and knowing that in any moment they could arrive. And I remember being with a group of journalists there and saying, hey, let's do some reading. 
I'm doing this technique. This helps a lot. And, and sharing it and, and them mm-hmm. saying, wow, yeah, this, this, this is good. This is good. And mm-hmm. I, I remember people after meeting them in another report and them saying, hey, I still do this thing. I still mm. do, do this thing. And there were little, very basic breathing techniques. It wasn't a big deal, but uh, it does make such a difference to calm your breath down, to do basic things. It, it, your body reacts so fast to that and your mind reacts so fast to that. So uh, th- since then already, I was sharing it naturally and I was training a lot in my house, meditating one hour or two per day. I was like, uh, you know, waking up at five o'clock in the morning or, you know, like and taking cold showers. I, I was... Um, doing a lot uh, of it and, and vegetarian and, you know, all, mm-hmm. all the things that I had learned with his monks, I was applying them. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So I felt that coaching started there and there was always these two people in me in a way, like mm-hmm. the coach and the journalist. And I, and I feel like I loved both. I love, I love journalism immensely and I love the, the idea of being able to ask questions to people and to know how they get to do things, why, uh, what moves them, um, how do they feel in certain situations, what they're up to, you know, and mm-hmm. journalists have this um, license to ask whatever they want. <laughs> and true. once you have that mindset when, of the interviewer that can ask any question, it's really fascinating because it has a lot of, it gives you a lot of, Oh, it gives you an open mind to things and it also an open and an, an authorization to really be direct with people and ask what you want. And also the curiosity as journalists. Uh, I think there's a curiosity factor that is really also important. And I, I use all the techniques of journalism to keep studying what I do, uh, you know, to to gather the information, to be accurate when I say something. I, I check three, four times when I give a class. All that I teach, I check uh, scientific research. I check who is saying what, why. Hmm, this sounds weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so <laughs> yes, yeah, so it's I, I'm still living both, but now I'm in this side. <laughs> in this side, yeah, you with know, this like, perspective. Mm-hmm. From this perspective, yeah. <laughs> Well, um, lovely story. We, uh, I am very um, lucky. Uh, we, I think we are all very lucky now listening to you, all these stories, because it's, of course, not, uh, not everybody has the chance now to ask you so many questions. And we got this little gift of uh, being the journalist now. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> so let us uh, think about that, those times where uh, you, as Venezuela uh, girl, uh, arrived in uh, Paris. Um, you already studied uh, French in Venezuela, right? A little bit, you mentioned. Um, and how was it for you, interculturally speaking, arriving to France and starting a life over there and all of that? Yes. Um, actually, um, it, was, it was great. I, I have to mm-hmm. say, I feel... Paris, uh, where I lived, is and France in general, but Paris was where I was the most. Um, I feel is like my second home. I mean, mm-hmm. it's like I, I went through 
a beautiful period of my life, you know, after university and in adulthood, mm. when you become an adult and, and th th Paris gave me that, everything to do that properly. And it was a city where, was, where everything was quite easy to achieve for me. I didn't feel any intercultural shock, really. I felt French people were very open. If you speak French, they are open. Yeah. Um, Once you don't, that's a different story. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but I felt uh, it was in that sense, I never, only like a couple of times, I felt I was treated with a little bit of racism or, or something. And I can remember them because it was so, so only two. So I can remember, and it was in a radio situation and uh, with another journalist, a French journalist that came and told me something about a race they were raising our salaries and she, she said something about like how foreigners can have a salary raise. And, and I said, well, if you spoke Spanish and could do my work, maybe you get that money, but you can't. So, <laughs> but yeah, that I was the that money. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm doing, I'm helping out here. <laughs> yeah. So it was the only time the rest of the time it was really, you know, I, I can't, yeah, and if there was anything racist, I didn't see it. And I think mindset makes it all, you know, makes the whole oh, very important point. Yeah. Yeah. If you are looking for the acts of racism or, or, I mean, there are things that happen that are very raw and big and you can't just not see them, but then there are the little things every day where if you, your mindset is like, I'm not, you know, liked here and or Germans or, or French people are like this and like that, and you have this and you go out really believing that, you will see the world through that filter. And yeah, when you interact with people, you will see in anything they do a harm or an attack mm -hmm. because you're a victim. So um, I think that's key in, in, in how I adapted in places, mm -hmm. not even to think about that, not to think I was... I was always thinking I'm welcomed and I was always thinking, and I really say it right now and I remember many things and I feel I was only in the journalism world that because it's competitive and it wasn't about I mean, it happened to be that I was Venezuelan mm -hmm. and so they could make any jokes about that or they could, but they also made many jokes about Spaniards and about everybody. So I didn't yeah, take okay. it like, Oh, my country is being, you know, yeah. um, I was light about it and, and yeah. And also I took that as the level of the mind of the person talking, you know, it's not about me. This says much more about them, you about know? Them. And I, yeah. So I think all these things you have to have them clear when you move to a country mm -hmm. and the respect you have for the country and the people there um, will be in the same measure than the respect you will feel they have for you. Even if they don't, you will feel yeah. it, you know? Yeah. It's like the way you decide to project your, yourself and your thoughts um, in that place. I think it makes a difference. And I think it has to do, I think I learned this very, very uh, little when I was seven years old, my parents divorced and mm -hmm. my mother decided to go to England to forget my father <laughs> and, <Wow>. and radical. <laughs> and um, I went with her 
-hmm. And I, I went with her and I was there one year and a half. And that's where I learned English. And that's where I had to adapt to a new culture, being a child. Oh, and okay, I think, nice. So I learned there, I think, naturally, that going to a new place, it's okay, it's safe, mm -hmm. that people receive you well. I think I learned it there. Nothing wrong mm -hmm. happened. I was always well received and taken care. Mm -hmm. So I think I have this image of foreign countries like my country, like I don't feel they're foreign countries. Yeah. yeah I think, I think, yeah, yeah no, we need to come. I was, I was about to say something that is, this is, this is so interesting because yeah. um, pretty much every interview that we do with people that have this, this vast uh, international experience, uh, we learn, there, there's a thread, you know, we learn, we learn the pretty much the same thing. The last interview we, we did, before our last episode with uh, Josh and Maria, it's a couple, uh, um, it's, a, it's a long story. They said pretty much the same thing, you know, like you need to accept the things that you have in, in the new country and cope with the things that you don't like because it's, uh, it's the nature of that society, it's the nature of that, of that environment. And you feel much better when you come from a place that, of acceptance you know a place that okay that's the culture and there's a lot of good things here and i i personally learn a lot with this because being brazilian and coming to germany is just two ends of the spectrum culturally it's just completely yeah. different so it's very interesting to hear that because it's um yeah it's 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 enlightening to to, to be honest Exactly, and many of our listeners as well, and this is, uh, we listen to this very frequently, is that um, they, uh, we have a lot of Latinos listening to us as well, and uh, we see this effect of coming to um, Germany, for example, and thinking of, oh, this uh, German culture, it's like German culture, yeah. and um And we, Vinny and I also work a, a lot about on, on that, on giving the message of it all depends on uh, your mindset and how you apply this on the circumstances and the, uh, all the relations you have and build um, out there. Yeah. So your message is absolutely, uh, we completely agreed with that. And um, it's very interesting to see how you applied it over there in France. And uh, yeah, well, actually, now I am curious about the U.S. What about you, Winnie? U.S., U.S. <clears throat> I was in Los Angeles in uh, U.S., yeah. so it's a very particular place. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, well, I was there um, in UCLA uh, studying the documentary filmmaking and gathering constantly also with this group that I told you about, Carlos Castaneda's mm -hmm. group. And I made many good friends there. And it was a, a it's, it's another thing. The contrast from coming from Paris and going to LA, it's really a big contrast in many ways. Um, and I remember having this shock. It, it's not a shock, but it, you will see. It's uh, arriving there and seeing so many people so friendly mm -hmm. and so happy everywhere like where where i went in la people are quite friendly no matter how they're feeling they say hello in a such a friendly way and 
they only don't say only hello, good morning. They go, good morning, how are you doing? Oh, you look great today. No, no, no. You know, like the whole thing. <laughs> and when you come from Paris, that is like bonjour, like very sharp and, you know, you're like, oh, like what's going on? What, what is, what's comes, going on with you? Yeah, you're too happy. <laughs> no, that it's like quite incredible to, to have that. At the same time, there is uh, like a depth lacking like in 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 that way um and in la i always felt every conversation everything was very light but as soon as you wanted to go a little bit deeper deeper it was different let's say than europe or that that in france and so i felt it was a completely different culture in that sense and well i had the experience of my pregnancy there that was major And I loved to be surrounded by happy people while being pregnant. That was very important. And I'm very grateful for that. And I'm very grateful for the help I received there by everyone during that pregnancy, all my friends. I mean, it was a community, very friendly and very, that solidarity was main thing, helping each other. Mm -hmm. There was a women's group there And it was key in, in the way my pregnancy developed. They were very supportive. We did gatherings, we did meditations, we did many things together. We went hiking and drumming in the mountains during the night for the moons and for the, you know, like crazy things. Oh, okay. and it, but it was amazing every time. And it was so rich and supportive at all levels. I think women, when they get together, is quite a special. Uh, there's something in, because usually women put themselves down uh, with their thoughts, at least, you know, um, when you see another woman, you're immediately, there's something of comparison that happens. Uh, and we are, we are educated in a way socially where there's something going on at that level. I see it every time with any group of women I get, I said, okay, these two are like, mm -mm, so I, I acknowledge that with a lot of respect and a lot of, I know this is a thing. And, and I do all the work so to empower so much every woman that they don't have to go through that every time. But there I felt it was quite, I learned a lot about being together with women and not having that kind of rivality, you know, rivality, how do you say it? rivality? Rivalry, yeah, rivalry. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, you know, you understood. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Everybody got it, don't worry. Everybody yeah. got it. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, so I learned a lot, definitely, and, and I started doing my breath work there. I met there also David Elliott, the mentor that taught me the main technique of breathing that I know, that I use in my sessions. I use many techniques, but that's the part of the sessions in a way. And it was a very intense experience there, that experience, meeting him and going through the whole process of learning the technique and working on myself, you know? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. <laughs> so, Winnie, uh, Winnie, do you have the feeling that uh, men also compare themselves as... Uh... Yeah, that's an interesting question. <laughs> ah, <laughs> ah, ah, now we talk about Winnie's group. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, yes. Yeah. I feel like they, I feel men um, compare themselves in a more... Um, I mean, in the group, let me say like this, when I have done, I, I have, I usually work with women and I do women's breathing sessions 
And in those sessions, women come with an intention and they're not in this rivalry. I mean, it's rival game. They're really open and those spaces, I create them for that. So we relax, we acknowledge each other and we support each other. And that's part of the work. When I did the same with men and I did group of men, it was different. It was men um, interact with each other in a very direct way, let's say. And they compare each other, but I feel it's more in emulation. That That pushes them to do things like, for example, you see a man is doing something and you go like, no, and you go and do it more and better or, you know, and so there is, I, I feel there is not the time for that to become mean. It's like they just use it to move to the next thing. And in women, I feel we, we stay a little bit longer in the, in the, in the phase of, oh, she's better at this. Oh, you know, dwelling on what you don't have and what you, you know, I feel there is more of that. And I also, um, men and and women have different hormonal systems. So they, um, I always explain this because it's very important. Men need uh, testosterone to recover from stress and women need more oxytocin and estrogen to recover from stress. And the way to gain more of those hormones, both of them is different. You need to do different things. So you talk less for testosterone. You do more physical activities. You're more, uh, you know, and, and for estrogen, you talk more, you develop more, you relax in a different way. You know, you're, you're, you need to get cozy and you need to, you know, feel the other one is acknowledging yeah. your, your emotions. And when they don't, oh, it's yes. like a big deal. Yes, yeah, I, can, I can absolutely vouch for that because uh, exercising for me is therapy, uh, yeah. especially if I'm stressed or anything. I just get my bike, go for a long ride or go to the gym and everything is good. I, I yes. relax that way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And for many women, too, they I mean, for women too, uh, exercising is great, but for women is not enough. Yeah. Um, let's say like that. It helps, but it's not enough. Um, we exercise and we will have many happy hormones running, but um, there, is the, the, there is the hormonal difference of the menstrual cycle mm-hmm. that really puts you in a different state. I can tell you for myself <laughs> and I can tell you for many of the people I work with. I confirm with. it as well. Yes. And I, I think, think the whole... Feminist movement. Can confirm. Yeah. Yeah. No, not at all. No, not at all. That's the that's the answer. Good for you. You learn. (laughs) The worst you can say is yeah. (laughs) That you're dead. I I usually say something like I can imagine, but in this way I can not even start to imagine. (laughs) Yes. Yes. No. 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 Uh, Yes. It's. It's really a thing, and I think we come from. um, We have had many generations of. I mean, let's say like this: feminism and all the advance we did as women, being able to work, to vote, all of these things required us to present ourselves like. Um, really, we were equal in the body, in the mind, in everything. And I think um, it's true 
that we need we 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 are equal and we deserve the same rights all of this of course there is no doubt i do think that in all that premise and in all that approach we missed the hormonal part that is really important and i think today we knew generations i mean the generations after our mothers that were the ones that went out to work first, or mm -hmm. some of, at least a big group of them. Um, all those women went out to work and they needed to be tough and they needed to, you know, they started yeah. using contraception, they started using, all these things came in their generation. Mm -hmm. And for us now, we are more used to that and we are now creating some balance and understanding that we work outside, we do all this, but we also have this difference and we, it's very important to acknowledge that difference. And it's very important to, for men and women equally, acknowledge that difference and know that uh, women have periods of the month and some of them more than others. Mm -hmm. at, at least, uh, studies say at least 40% of women have some kind of mood shift in, during premenstrual period. Mm -hmm. And... Um, all the others have other things going on, you know, not, not mood change, but maybe other, it manifests in different ways. Mm -hmm. But the first thing I ask to all the people that come crying with a problem and they're women is like, where are you at your menstrual cycle? Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. and usually it's a point, like I hear this story over and over, someone coming and a woman coming and saying, oh, was great till last week. I don't know what happened. I collapsed and I felt so sad and all afternoon I couldn't do anything but sleep and I felt miserable because I was sleeping and I felt, you know, like, and you add mm -hmm. to that because we're expected to be all the time, like if our hormonal system didn't change and it's not the case, it changes. It's not the case, yeah. yeah. And so, we force it sometimes, we force it to be like what we want and we forget that it's not exactly that as, um, as that, it's like, we should just recognize it and go with it, go with the flow and understand that that's the body. And, um, and it also can have some advantages, right? Do you want to tell yeah. us a bit about Yes, it, can, it has. Well, I, I use this period. I usually, I feel I'm, I'm someone that can be tolerant a lot in my daily life with people and with my relationships. And the moment where I have my premenstrual cycle, I don't, I'm not tolerant anymore. And I think that's a good thing because many things that I was tolerating and were stopping me, even things of myself, you know, that I was putting aside and saying, I'm not getting to do this. I'm not doing this. Uh, it's not the moment. It's not this. When I have the premenstrual cycle, anything gets enhanced, any little pain, any little noise that I'm trying not to see get enhanced gets enhanced. And so I take advantage of that big glass, you know, that I have to see the world and see every emotion to really work on it and to really transform in that period. So I think it's fascinating how we can take advantage because it's the menstrual process helps you release many things you no longer need. Mm -hmm. And it includes also patterns of thought emotional heavy energy that you have you know working there all the time um, resistance you have with someone that you feel something is not right but you pretend it is right 
And in those moments, you can't pretend anymore. You can't. Yeah, it's true. like something is overwhelming and you, and you just have to say, and you just say, no, I, and the person will say, okay, she's in her, maybe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know? And I think this is a but super it's healthy yeah. in a way. This is a, a, a very healthy message as well for men listening to us now in our Facebook live. This is, um, we all know all women, they get so uh, when they have their, uh, that's their a good tricky, tricky to be yeah. with, let's say. That, that's a good definition, Maria. That's a yeah. good It's like, uh, let me find the word. Yeah, tricky, tricky, you <laughs> know. And um, yeah, and this all has an explanation, but it's also super interesting for them to understand what is happening, actually. And this is not a taboo. Sometimes I have the feeling that in many persons, uh, this is a taboo and they don't really talk loudly about this. And um, this has a lot of advantages. For this, we need another top, another podcast. <laughs> and um, I just want to say, just it really worth it to um, take this into deeper and uh, learn about this and for men as for women. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it, it's, uh, I, I'm not interested in something right now because um, while we're talking and how you can use these two times of, of, of the month, you choose the appearance of the month uh, to kind of look at from different angles and understand different things in your, in your reality and your life. Um, how, how do men do that? How can we, can we like, you know, have these two moments, have this moment where you reflect without needing this biological help? You know, I got really curious right now. <laughs> like, what do you mean exactly? Like, how can, oh, how can you do this work without having the help of your hormones? You mean? Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> It's this push of the hormones. Yeah. Yes, yeah, exactly. I understand. I understand. Well, I think we, we um, there are many ways in, in the men's group and work that I do. I, I do a total different session for men that I do for women, the kinds of exercises I do, the kind of um, work I do. It's different, even though the breathing part, uh, I, it's similar in some, some way. Um, the, the exercises I do and the talking I do or not, it's much less with men and much I, m women talk much more in my sessions than men, for example. Mm -hmm. And I do think men um, have a capacity to have introspection, you know, and you have a capacity to have insights and you have a capacity to access your emotional life. But the thing is that when you access your emotional life, you're releasing estrogen and oxytocin. And that's not the hormone that will release, that will help you have um it will help you reduce the stress yeah so so we want i mean men naturally now are almost demanded by women to access their emotional life yeah. you can't today it's rare that a woman doesn't you know involve her man in that like in in talking to him about her emotions in mm -hmm. in what do you feel and men are like but i feel uh can we talk later like now it's a you know like it's very rare it's very rare that men want to talk about emotions 
And, and it, I think it's quite normal in a way, if you see it, because that's not the way they will um, reduce stress. And statistics say it, men are very good at reducing stress and women are really, the rates of stress in women are increasing and the cause of mortality being stress in women is rising, uh, rising, and I think it's it has a lot to do of uh, the, um, with the fact that men are very effective mm -hmm. with knowing their priorities mm, and knowing when they're tired and they need to take a break and they don't even ask too much; they just go and do it, and that's it. There's no discussion about these things. You know, like you go sport and that's it. There's no uh, maybe I will. And women have the tendency to care more for everybody. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's normal. That's what we did since the beginning of time. You know, women had to stay with children, with the animals. When we were cultivating the earth, they had to think for the whole tribe, let's say. They had to think, oh, they're bringing the animal. We have to cut it. All the family needs to eat from it. And they had to think from, of, you know, about everyone. perspective, yeah. And have that broader perspective. And men were just hunting and duck, killing it, bringing it, and now let's party. Mm -hmm. You know? And so yeah. I think um, there are very ancient um, things locked in us, but those things are the ones that still produce uh, more hormones of one thing or the other that are the ones that release, that help us reduce stress in, e in mm -hmm. each gender. So. Yeah, I think um, men, meditation is a great way. Meditation is a, is a great way of finding your center, listening to your mind and letting it be, you know, uh, yeah. and be, becoming a witness of your life and a witness of your emotions by gaining perspective when you're in silence and you start to, there is a witness that starts to appear in yeah. that meditation and you start to see, oh, there is this, there is this thought. Oh, this thought is, it's a thought. And, you know, all this process, it's major and, mm -hmm. and men have access to it and they can do it. Yeah, I can, I can totally relate with that because I'm, I mean, uh, Maria already knows me well enough for, for that. I'm very energetic. I need to do stuff to spend some, some energy. And, and meditation helps me center myself, you know, center yeah my thoughts and like focus on what I have to do, prioritize. It helps with, with a, a lot of things uh, for, for a person with my, with my type of, of personality. Yeah. So yes. I, I recommend it. I, we always recommend, I think every, every yes. episode we recommend meditation, isn't yes. it? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> breathing also. It. Yeah. Breathing, breathing yeah. breath work also. It helps us, <laughs> it helps you access your emotional um, energy. And, and your emotional charge, let's say, your emotions. And when you're locked and closed and you do a good breathing session, automatically you will be open. Your emotions will be there, you know, bubbling and you will know what's going on, why, you know, and they will be transforming too. So that's a great way also. Yeah. Okay. Continuing with our, um, I mean, I, we can we can continue talking about this, of course, but uh, we no, need no, to no. Let's go, go on with it. our interculturality yeah. uh, things. Um, so you were in the U.S. You had this very important time of your life with the whole pregnancy of Lucia, and then you came to Germany with her, right, and with your husband at that time. 
Um, how, how was this transition from being Latina, then living in France, then being in the US, in, in California, and then coming to Germany already as a mom? And um, I guess your mom was in Venezuela still at that time? Yeah. Yes. So um, me as a woman, I can imagine how it was for you without your mom and all these new things in Germany. But do you want to share a little bit about that? Yes. Um, I have always been a little bit independent. So even though, I mean, I travel every year to, I used to travel every year to Venezuela to see my mom or she would come also <clears throat> to wherever I was, to Los Angeles, to Paris, to Berlin now. But um, so I, I never, um, I never felt too much the, the impact of not having my family and it's strange, but I think it's the, maybe the work I do and the meditation and all of this creates, it creates like a global vision about things and is like, I am connected to her and we talk and it, but I have my things going on here and we mm -hmm. meet and, you know, and we give each other love. And so it wasn't, I didn't feel the impact of that so much. Okay. Um, I did, Even when I, I had my daughter in LA, Lucia was born in LA, and I, I remember in that moment was the only moment where I really felt like, wow, family here would be really precious. You know? mm -hmm. And so my mother went there and my auntie went there and all was good in that sense. And, but I, I feel in that sense, since little, I have been used to traveling and used to going elsewhere and not being with my father or not being with my mother, you know, like being independent okay. emotionally yeah. in that sense. So maybe that made it easy till now. Mm. Maybe, maybe that made it easy. But I, I do think each time I travel, there is a process of a little grief that happens each time I move. And for example, when I came to Berlin, I had to do a, a lot of work, uh, inner work to come to Germany Because mm. since little, I had said, the last place I want to live in. And the, the only people I would never marry or date or anything are Germans. And now I have a daughter that is German. And I had a husband that was German. Can you imagine? So uh, the first time I came to Berlin, I found it gray. It was February. So you imagine? Mm. It was I mean, gray. I went to, I, no. I came to Berlin the first time when I was little with my father and it was still the wall and I went to East, to the oh, West, Chris. everything. Mm -hmm. And so that was the first time, first, first. But then when I came back with my ex-husband, I came here and I remember him bringing me to, to Berlin and showing me everything and me saying, this is great everywhere. You know, this is like, I don't know how these people live here. Yeah. This is gray everywhere. And I never thought like we were going to live here. I was mm -hmm. in LA and we came for a holiday. Okay. And then when Lucia was born, we started to think, okay, where do we want to raise her? Do we want to raise her here in Los Angeles or do we want to raise her in a European country? Mm -hmm. And we, we saw expenses. We saw uh, quality of education. We saw, you know, the mm -hmm. culture. We saw community, society, everything. Yeah. And we said, yeah. let's go to Berlin. Mm 
mm-hmm. but I needed to prepare for that trip. And I was in, in, in LA talking to my friends there, doing breath work and doing all because I was like with such a resistance at the beginning to come. Mm-hmm. But, I, but I felt, okay, this is a thing I know I need to do, but I, it's hard. It's out of my comfort zone. Do you know what it was behind this resistance? Uh, why did you have this resistance? I had this resistance because um, I felt German was a very um, foreign con- culture for me. Mm-hmm. Um, like French culture is Latin and has uh, a doing um, that is more close to what we do in Venezuela. Mm-hmm. But German culture is like the opposite in every, in many main aspects. And at the time, that wasn't even it, the big thing. I knew it was that. I mean, it, it reflected in that way, but it was the weather. I thought after LA, you know, two and a half years in LA, it was like sun all the time, uh, the I mean, beach yeah. behind, wow. like uh, near my 10 minutes of my, from my house, like, yeah. Wow, no, and, and no, lovely, friendly lovely, people yeah. everywhere, you know, <laughs> and coming here. Don't tell us anymore. <laughs> yeah. So when I came here on holiday, I saw the picture and I said, wow, this is another thing coming yeah. here. <laughs> and, but then when I came here, I was surprised because nature, it's a, it's a marvel. Yeah. Germans Absolutely. are a marvel in their own yeah. way, you yes, know. Absolutely. Um, they have so many amazing things mm-hmm. as society as individuals that they have achieved and they have as mindset that they're mm-hmm. so that I'm so happy I got to raise my child here that she's yeah. German she's a little German person yeah. she's now German <laughs> completely German yeah, from yeah. mind and body no, she's yeah. very Venezuelan too yeah she okay. has yeah she has a happiness that Venezuelan people have and a joking thing yeah, that, super, that yeah. Venez- so yeah. she arrives to school and she's with her friends like hey yeah like you know and all her friends are more like hi Lucia <laughs> <laughs> so the genes the genes are in there yeah. you feel the difference and yeah and the I way I raise her I here can, I can picture it right now I love it I love it yeah, yes. love it. yeah. And, and she knows clearly both cultures she knows the difference she knows what we are we have trouble with like time management how mm-hmm. you know our culture has problems with that about keeping our word sometimes you know yes. like i say at this time and it's all related and then i'm i'm used to now and i have been trained by them yeah. <laughs> so i gained a lot and i think that has helped me manage my energy in a whole new way you know, mm-hmm. respecting time and what you give as a word. And, and these are main core things in German culture. What you say, you do it, you know? Yes. Yeah. And, and I think this is an absolute and a, a great uh, particular thing of this culture that I really incredible. appreciate. Yes. And I love the sobriety of this culture. Like nothing is exaggerated. We, we invest minimum energy in things. Like I, for example, I am in a meeting. In, I remember in the kindergarten, I was in a meeting because a teacher got a leave because she was ill. And we were not, she, it was a bilingual um, kindergarten, Spanish, German. And I remember we did a meeting with all the parents to see what we were going to do. And we had all the Latino parents 
very passionate about the subject and, you know, expressing all the things that were wrong about not having a Spanish teacher in these times and really feeling it, you know? Mm -hmm. And I remember uh, this German lady mother, she raised her hand and she said, well, why don't we do these three things? Tang, tang, tang. Let's vote for it. First one, vote. No. End of the meeting. Bye. Thank you. And I was like, <laughs> lovely. We can't do this. We can't. It's like yes. difficult for us. But it, but it's, I think each one has his own thing. You know, I felt like it's yeah. great when you manage to do both, when mm -hmm. also Germans manage to open, you know, like, I feel the richness of the thing is to both learn of both and see, okay, I could get a little bit better in being happier. <laughs> and the other say, I, will get, I could get a little bit better in being punctual and, yeah. or being precise or being, you know. Many times my daughter corrects me, many times during the day. I talk mm -hmm. and she keeps correcting me all day long. I say, for example, oh, I'm going to... I'm going to take a bath. And in Spanish, this is me voy a bañar. It's like a bath. Yeah, yeah. And then she comes into the bathroom like that. And she says, you're not taking a bath. You're taking a shower. <laughs> and I'm like, well, it's sort of the same thing. Well, no. <laughs> a shower is up, standing up with the water coming from up. And a bath is laying down with the water till here. You know, nothing to do, mom. How could you ever even think it was the same? And she says, I don't know why words exist in your world sometimes because yeah. <laughs> you use yeah. them like, yeah. and she's so precise every time. She doesn't let anything pass. We get anywhere to a park and she sees, I see two people in the park and I said, oh, there's no one in the park today. Well, there are four people, them two and we. Yeah. Us. And I'm like, well, I meant, no, you're being imprecise. <laughs> there, there's people in the park. So you can't, yeah. you know? So, yeah. yeah, but it is the perfect example of, of this big difference that we have in the Latin culture and the German culture and other similar cultures to the German culture as well. And um, I love your message because this is also something that we listen very frequently in our podcast as well when we interview people that had a lot of experience as you did and do. Um, and that's a fact, no? Look, take it as granted how it is and uh, look uh, what you can do the best out of it, no? So what yes. is the thing of the German culture that you like and that where you could be better yeah yes and um the other way around as well for germans what is it that we as latinos do that you could take it for you huh? yes yeah. and um yeah i absolutely agree and and lucia is a perfect example yeah it's uh, super good yeah yes. and for you of course i remind that every day of uh okay we are both no Yes, we are both. We are both. And I'm realizing when we get here and time passes, we get more Germanized in a way. And I see this because when my mother arrived here, uh, because of her generation, her age, she hasn't been able to be Germanized in a way. Sure. I mean, she, she, go, she respects German culture and she does everything and she admires German culture as we do. Uh, it's only that she has her Latino fire like so bright and wherever she arrives, she sings and she ends up making a party and she, and Germans love her in this sense. And I feel mm -hmm. I'm more discreet. I'm more, you know, I have been tamed in a way. 
yeah, by yeah. these cultures in even Paris already, you know, that they're not, they're, they're, uh, they're like um, open, but still European, more sober, let's say, more that's true. Um, yeah. it's, less expressive. I was trying, I was trying to get, to get, uh, through one episode without talking about uh, coronavirus or the pandemic or something yeah. like we almost we almost made it but I can't I can't like go <laughs> on yeah it's important of, of one thing that uh, I gain I can talk for for myself that I gain a whole new appreciation for Germany as a country uh, the government the society the, the the group of people that Germans are during this pandemic. Because the, the type of, of unit, uh, like the, the, the community that was created, and also the, the type of rational thinking that they have towards this, I think it shows a lot. The, the numbers show a lot of, of, of that. You know, yeah. and for me, it's, a, it's a, um, seeing what's happening in other developed countries of the world, because that's where we can compare, right? Um, it's 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 amazing what's what's happening here. I I'm a, I really gained a lot more appreciation for for this country. Of course, there will always be cultural differences, cultural things that we like that we don't like. Uh, but at the end at the end of the day, I, I'm I'm very grateful for be uh, to to be living here at this time and this unprecedented uh, time. And yeah, but I agree with a hundred percent of what you said. My German friends are also like that. Okay, we have a couple of, of things to do. I was like, no, we have three things to do precisely. <laughs> you know, not a couple, not three. Precise, not three. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yes. So okay, and um, I can imagine we discussed with Vinny this before, and we were thinking about that. Uh, we could imagine that um, in those or in these stressful times and the whole what is happening out there uh, nowadays, uh, your uh, clients and uh, persons that go to uh, that look for advice and um, are looking for a way how to manage the whole stress and anxiety that we are th that we are feeling right now. Um, maybe you have a lot to do now. Probably you have uh, many people calling for help, and but one question that we have is, how do you manage the whole stress? Um, also for you, like how do you manage it, and how do you manage to cover yourself and to protect yourself as well of what people bring to you and looking for help? I think this is this can be tricky. Yeah, yeah, it is. I think um, I have to. Um, really walk the talk, let's say, to, you know, I have to use my own tools. I have been um, working more than ever because, yes, people are coming a lot to ask for support in this sense. And um, it all goes back to the breathing, for always for me. It all goes back to um, connecting to your breath and connecting to your awareness of the breath and connecting, you know, doing some things with your breath, slowing it down to, will calm immediately your nervous system. I mean, I could go through it. And, and I think that's what helps me. It doesn't mean I don't have moments where I, wow, I don't feel the impact because I think what's happening right now is that under so much pressure, we are having the effect of, 
we are, have, we are going through many things at the same time. We are being in retreat. So we are going like a, through a retreat, like when we isolate ourselves in a retreat and that has an impact. <laughs> a, a retreat is made so you see yourself. Mm-hmm. So you uh, stop the noise of the world and stop putting your attention outside and get back to you. Mm-hmm. And when you get back to you, it's not always lovely what you find, you know? And most of the time, we are very much outside of us not to feel the pain that we would feel when we are not distracted. Yeah, that's true. So um, this is for anyone, and including me. So I have, I have had a lot of insights and a lot of pushing of my work in new directions thanks to this. And I had to position myself on what is it that I want to do or not. And I have also found patterns of what's making me sabotage my work or not. I have gone through that process too. And it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a time where we're all growing a lot, I feel. And we really need to take advantage because it's precious. It's a precious time for looking inside and for doing this kind of work. Mm-hmm. And then using it to transform that the crisis aspect of this into really all the options we have. Like I did with the fibroid, like many people do with mm-hmm. many situations every day, that there is other options and not only the, the one that the fear is projecting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I hear many people fearing uncertainty. Many people are in so many different situations. Some of Most of my uh, clients or people I'm working with have to lay out lay off people and it's very Mm. painful for them to have to get rid of their teams you know big teams and get and stop the projects they were working on and you know it's painful uh, when you are a team and you're creating and it's not about them losing their jobs but it's more about a, a life purpose being shift dramatically and abruptly you know so they, this work, it's, it's important. And of course, the ones that are being laid off, laid off, that are going through mm-hmm. a total panic of what will they do. In Germany, it's easier because the government is helping completely, either through the job center, either through helps. I mean, very fast, all those helps got out there and people received uh, not a big amount of money, but enough to survive the next two months or three months. Yes. It's not yes. the case of other peoples around the world. Mm. And this is, uh, this is what you were saying. I think it's very important uh, for the stress level. This is a big difference because mm-hmm. um, when we feel we won't be able to nourish ourselves or our kids or yeah. you know, provide... The, 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 the reptilian brain turns on and it's, it's a brain that is in charge of getting in stress mode and, you know, turning on all the chemistry of stress and figuring out things in a very basic way with fear and with, you know, mm-hmm. speed and, <laughs> and fast mm-hmm. breath. And I can tell you all of it. So when you shift the breath, you place yourself in this other mode where other parts of your brain will take over and you can see have clarity you can create connections you can create new jobs in a way you can create a new phase for your work that you would have never done 
if it wouldn't have been for the crisis. So I do think um, no matter the situation you're going through, except if you're in a hospital dying from coronavirus, that's like extreme. I think it will be an opportunity for growth in any case. And growth is meaning going out of your comfort zone and it's not pleasant Mm -hmm. all the time. People Mm -hmm. think growth and all this work is like just sitting and (sighs) no, (laughs) it can be heartbreaking to let behind, leave behind your identity, you know, that you were using or leave behind your comfort of the known of everyday Mm -hmm. life. So I think, um, yeah, so I have been applying my own techniques to be able to do it. And before I, I, before I would, meditate and do certain kinds of meditations and now i'm doing other kinds of meditations let's say it like this Mm -hmm. before i used to do meditations that will would um calm my nervous system in a way and create perspective and create and project me into the future in a way and now i'm practicing myself meditations to do more healing work again or more you know it's like a spiral i work with a spiral method and the spiral method is that you go down, you know, in, and dig and then get energy from past experiences yeah. and use this energy to go up onto the spiral and create your life. Mm-hmm. So now I feel I'm also in a little, you know, I, I keep moving into both, but I have to check in with myself and, and, and the things that people are bringing to the sessions are are very strong for some of them. And I think they wouldn't have happened if the crisis wasn't happening. And that's great, actually. I think yeah, it's a good great. thing. Yeah, of course. Of course. I completely agree with you. It's uh, the, 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 the growth uh, that, that we're having right now because it's completely unprecedented. Nobody could predict that this, this would happen. It's something that should be somehow cherished. You know, it's something that should uh, like be taken advantage of. And uh, just to make sure that, that we learn things now that we, we never had the opportunity to learn before with this type of, of situations, you know. Uh, and like I was saying, uh, I know, I know from, from friends and acquaintances and other people and even, even people posting things on, on social media that people are doing that. They are kind of creating a different reality for themselves. They are realizing that. Uh, some things take priority over, over others. So uh, I think this, this growth, is, is there it's happening you know and let's see on the other side if people are gonna keep it i think most people will because i'm a natural like positive but I, I, you know like mindset so i, I believe in mm-hmm. that um but but yeah i i, I absolutely see see what uh, what you're saying and i mean uh, uh, thanks for for helping people in in this way to be honest it's uh yes absolutely <laughs> So coming uh, slowly to the end of this session, um, unfortunately, yeah. Um, yeah. So, like, what do you think, or what would you recommend to all of us now sitting at home doing our thing, as we already mentioned, meditation and all of that? But for many people out there, these are very, very um, uh, unknown topics. Um, these are things that they have not tried, that they don't know how to start. That um, and probably they also 
are not ready yet to look for help and uh, call you. Um, what would you recommend to all of our listeners now and people watching to us now in these moments of life? Yes. Okay. Um, when we are very stressed, our mind and our brainwave, it's in beta. And that means that we have around 22 breaths per minute. Mm -hmm. And that means our mind is like a monkey mind. We are like projecting all these thoughts, like popcorns popping, you know, and they're scattered and they create a, a sensation of uncertainty and they create a, a sensation that something is not clear because there, there's too many thoughts one after the other and they're creating a chemistry in us. So the best way to start to do something about it is calming down the breath and taking your breath from 22 per minute, more or less, that most people have, to around 10 to 5, 5 mm. to 10 per minute. So you, it's really simple. You can really start just breathing always through the nose. Mm -hmm. And you can start just breathing in, expanding the belly and breathing out, uh, squeezing a little bit the belly, pushing mm -hmm. it in. I am already, I'm already doing what you say. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Let's do it then. I would actually invite everybody watching this. Yeah, yes. everybody watching us to now, let's do this together. Yes. Yes, yeah. let's take advantage. So you breathe in, expanding the belly. And then you breathe out, squeezing a little bit the belly. And you start relaxing the neck and the shoulders. You do it again. And now you're going to acknowledge that this breath is happening not only in a frontal way, but it's happening 360 degrees in your body. Like your whole core is expanding when you breathe in. And it's contracting when you breathe out. So you become aware there is, there is 360 degrees. There is a space around you. And now you breathe in, expanding the belly again and a little bit the chest and then you breathe out and when you breathe out I invite you to stop breathing at one point when you feel you exhaled enough and then stay there one or two seconds three or four how many you can without taking air again and then you take air when your body needs it And we do it again. So after the exhalation, you will wait there a little bit until your body claims for air again. You don't suffocate it. You take air as soon as you need it.
And by doing this, you're already at least in 10 breaths per minute, at least. And you stay there one minute. If you have never done this, you do this one minute and you can put your clock and check how many breaths you did during that minute. And by counting your breath and by focusing on it, your mind will calm down from the thoughts that are. And as soon as your mind calms down and your, your breath is calming down successively, you're creating that space after the breath that is very, very important. You feel how I change my voice now when I talk to you. All, something shifted. We are no longer in beta, ta, ta, ta. Yeah. We're in, in another little state there. So that's what we want to cultivate right now. Do it three or four times a day, these little breaks, because the stress actually accumulates. It builds up. So when you're stressed and you react to something very strongly, it's not that that was strong, the situation. It's that you have been accumulating stress, and when you got there, it was that drop that was too much, and it, it appears like awful, but it's actually a build-up, you know? Yeah. yeah. So, and this is something actually that we can do waiting in a line or anytime by car completely with the metro, every time. Actually, in any situation, even you can do it. I do it sometimes, even when I'm in a hurry and I'm going to pick up. I, I used to pick up my daughter at school, not now, of course, but when I did that, I some if I was a little bit late or something, I I would run. I would do the whole running thing. And so when I got there, my recovery time shifts and it's faster. Yeah. And, and it's very important that gap after the breath where you don't do anything because breathing has duality in it. Like all in our world has duality. Yes, no, fat, thin, good, bad. Like we are classifying everything all the time in a dichotomy. And the breath, when you, when you enter into that gap, the dichotomy of the in-out in the breath breaks. And there is a space that is created where the mind doesn't have dichotomy, where the mind is completely calm. Mm -hmm. and that's the space we want to increase. Lovely. Yeah. Okay, yes. so I am... In a peace mode. <laughs> yes. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Let yeah. me let me see if uh, we have before we end up the session live. Um, people listening to us now. Any question? People watching us. Master Ray said in the as a comment that um, when we talk about men, doesn't uh, really say or express their emotions. It also happens that women uh, don't want them to express emotions or feelings. So he's saying, believe me, this also happens because uh, we grow up in a society giving this as a fact that men I agree. should not show them. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, yes, Master, you're right. uh, Master Ray, I don't know exactly what's the name, um, but I think that uh, you are right as well. Yeah. And... Um, 
this is something we should take care about as well, no? Like, as women, appreciate emotions coming also from men. Yes. I mean, it's, for me, it's, it's true. Essential. It's true, but there are many books about this, and it's interesting, the dynamic, because when women start to, uh, to appreciate men's emotion, there's a dynamic that happens in the relationship where women become a little bit the, the man figure, I mean, the male energy, let's say, in the relationship. And so the balance is important all the time in any case, I think. Yeah, yeah. It's important Absolutely. that both express and yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is a whole subject for a new podcast. Oh, yeah. I know another podcast, yeah. <laughs> I have a lot to say. Yeah. So, Vinny, any other questions we have for Raquel? I mean, it's uh, so lovely. It has been so nice to have you here yeah. today. Uh, yeah, I have Which enjoyed so it immensely. Thank you well, so much. Well, to be honest, to be honest, I, I'm, I might have around 127 more questions. Yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> You know, of yeah. course, it's like just just being, you know, uh, um, uh, just wanted to express express like express my 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 gratitude, you know, for your time, for your insights. It's it's always like uh, uh, good to have this type of, of perspectives, especially in a time like now that people really need to deal with their anxieties, with their stress. You know, they need to manage their emotions. This is very good. I hope it was it was very good for for everybody that that followed us uh, yes. uh, live on on Facebook. And yeah, I just I just really want to deeply up, uh, um, uh, thank you for for your time, for the tips you gave, for the, the amazing life experience that you shared with us. And again, you are invited to any time to participate in thank any of our future yeah. episodes so thank, thank you, you so much for inviting me and you're doing a great job really mm. it's oh, so important to have these windows have this of yeah and these spaces to to talk longer and more relaxed and more you know because usually it's very fast everything and here you take the time and it's lovely Thank yeah, you so exactly. much. And um, okay, so uh, people listening to us, uh, Raquel, I can only recommend you. She uh, has a, on her website a seven minutes uh, pranayama meditation that you can download for free. And yes. um, these meditations, is, as I said, seven minutes. So there are no excuses not to do this um, at least a couple of times during the week. This is very, very um uh, helpful in these uh, circumstances. All women listening to us, she also offers uh, tomorrow at 6 p.m. a breathing hub for women, and we meet online. I am always there, and <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we support ourselves and we learn a lot of techniques uh, direct from Raquel. And um, do you plan a man session? Coming um, right now, I'm not planning one, but I might do a mixed session just for everybody yeah. together. Cool. Yeah, yeah, so I haven't got the date yet, but that will come. Okay, in the that's nice. Come. Yeah, yeah. And uh, by the way, before I forget, we're gonna put once we post on on our social media, so Instagram, Facebook, everywhere, we're gonna put Hakel's uh, uh, website there, so you can contact her if you, if you want to. It's yes. gonna be everywhere if you if you want to to talk to her. Yes. Okay. Thank you so much. Yeah, okay. Really. Thank you very much, Raquel. Have thank a you. nice and lovely <laughs> weekend and uh, take care of yourself as well. Yes. You too. You too. Take care of yourself. And thank you so much. 
This was one more episode of the Intercultural Conversations podcast with Vinny and Maria. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for the next ones. If you want to know more about the show, follow it on social media on Pod. Or if you want to know more about myself, you can follow me on social media on Vinny Andriolo Coaching. Remember to check my website, tejerocoaching.com, where you can find out how I can help you strengthen your intercultural skills. Or just message me on Facebook or Instagram for a free informational session. You can find me on any of these platforms as Tejero Coaching. Remember to like us or leave us a message wherever you found our podcast and leave us a comment on tejerocoaching.com slash podcast with your suggestions. <laughs>